When I was young, maybe five or six years old, I have a vivid memory of a huge storm. It was one of those that while you're trying to sleep, the the room lit up as bright as could be because of lightning. And then the thunder was even worse, that it would just jar me awake over and over again. And then both the lightning and the thunder struck at the same time, and it was so loud. I can still feel it, right? It, the house shook, and, the, and it felt so close. And as soon as that happened, I jumped out of bed. I ran out of my room, and my older sisters did the same. And then we met in this little corner of the house, hearts beating and breath panting. We, our parents were like sleeping through it. They did not care. And we were scared and didn't know what to do. I just knew as a five-year-old I did not want to be alone in that moment. And as I reflect back, that's one of my first memories of belonging. I was scared, but I felt safe and known and loved by my sisters. And my parents still live in that same house today. And each time I pass by the corner of the living room, by the window, that memory or that feeling of belonging comes flooding back. And I wonder, do you have that place? A place where you are seen, heard, and known. A place where you belong. Or do you have a memory like that? And maybe that that memory of belonging is with your roommates now or your friends now. Or maybe it's at the dinner table when you go home. Or the place of belonging was tuck-ins from grandparents or parents growing up. Or it might be hard for you to conjure up those memories. Because home might not be filled with belonging, but brokenness. And you long for a place to belong A home to feel safe and seen. That's the deep cry of all humanity. And that's who God is, a place to belong. And we're called to belong within the Trinity. That's who we're called to be as humanity, to belong with one another. And that's what Aaron has shown us the last two weeks in the creation story and in Jesus' words, love one another. And this morning, I want to go back to the creation story to see how belonging to God and belonging to humanity is not the only aspect of belonging that we find. We also find belonging within creation. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up the very beginning. We're going to be in Genesis 2 this morning. And I'm going to read for us two verses, Genesis 2, verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God planted a garden. God's a gardener. He has dirty fingernails from digging and cultivating and planting a garden. And this garden, Eden, which means pleasure, delight, or lush fertility, is full of life-giving rivers, trees, stones, 
food, and it was all good to look at and eat. It was paradise. And there God put man. Bruce Waltke in his commentary on Genesis writes this, Eden represents territorial space in the created order where God invites human beings to enjoy bliss and harmony between themselves and God, one another, animals, and the land. God is uniquely present here. And do you notice the parts of God's invitation to belong in the creation story? You were made to belong within the Trinity. God himself let us make man in our image. And you were made to belong with one another. It's not good for man to be alone. But you were also made to belong within creation. With plants and animals and land and all living creatures. The place that God put Adam and Eve, the place that you and I live right now, is not just a piece of ground. As Jen Craft writes in Making a Place on Earth. Eden, Earth, the sidewalks of Dort University, your dorm rooms and classrooms and workplaces are a place that we commune with God and others. The earth was created as a place to belong a home to be safe and seen, known and loved. But God does not just put man in the garden. God gives man a task. And listen to what that is. This is verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. To work it and keep it. First work. From the beginning of the Bible, work is a gift from God, not a punishment for sin. Work is pre-fall, and it's part of our worship to God. And then second, man is tasked to keep or take care of the garden. And this verb here is the Hebrew uh, word shamar, and that's often translated to guard or protect Elsewhere in the Old Testament. So you could read Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 as this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And guard it. And protect it. And the original hearers of this story would have instantly made the connection to the priesthood in Israel. Because throughout the book of Numbers and throughout the Old Testament, priests were to, were to do the work of the tabernacle or the work of the temple. And priests were to guard and protect the tabernacle and temple. So Adam and Eve are priests in this garden temple. They are called to tend and keep this home. To continue to construct this world as home in such a way that cares for all creatures. And provides a place of secure habitation for all its inhabitants. Creation is home. And humans are stewardly caretakers of this creational home. Says Brian Walsh and Stephen Bauma in their book Beyond Homelessness. And isn't that what you long for? A place... A home of secure habitation 
A place full of love and grace and care as you are. A place to belong. Adam and Eve, you and I were made for that place. And we're called to cultivate that place. And this includes physical creation. And I find the language of Genesis 2 really helpful to take care or to protect. Because at times, I think Genesis 1, not always, can be misused or misunderstood. Because as you probably know, after God created man and woman, we get the creational mandate. You heard of it? Engineers are like, yeah, I'm sick of it. And we hear these words. We, we hear words like subdue the earth. Have dominion over fish and birds and all creatures. You shall have them for food. And this is all true. But at times it's used for justification, justification to eat whatever we want. Consume whatever we want. Build whatever we want. Wear whatever we want. Do whatever we want. Because God called humanity to rule and have dominion over all creation. But do you know what good rulers are supposed to do? Protect and guard their kingdom. Protect and guard all people and all creatures and all land from the evil and brokenness of our world. That's the heart behind the creational mandate. That's the heart behind the priestly work of Adam and Eve to work in and care for the garden. That's your work. That's my work. Protecting and guarding all creation. And here's what I wonder. Do you view protecting and guarding all plants, all animals, and all land as part of your call to follow Jesus? Do you view creation care, cultivating a place to belong for all inhabitants as part of your discipleship to Jesus? And I'll be honest, I, I don't all of the time. I'm like, love God, love others, yes. But love creation? What does that have to do with following Jesus? What does protecting and guarding creation have to do with discipleship? And I want to give you three responses to those questions. The first two are going to be quick, and the final one will just take a bit longer. What does creation care have to do with following Jesus? Well, here, here's the first thing. God commands it. Right? Like that, that should be enough. Like it, full stop. Like God commands it. The creation story in Genesis 1 and 2 is all about belonging to God, belonging to man, and belonging to creation. The task God gives you and me is to create a space or a home where all inhabitants can belong. And not only does God command it, but God loves creation. For God so loved the world, and that word is cosmos, it's not people. For God so loved all people. For God so loved all the oceans. For God so loved all the insects. Jeremy Hummel will love that one. For God so loved all plants, all living beings, that he sent his son to die. Because he's not coming just to redeem me and you, he's coming to redeem this whole place. Here's the second reason. It's who you are. Why should this matter? 
Well, caring for physical creation is not only what God tasked you and I to do, but it's part of who we are, our identity. Genesis 2-7 says this, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Humanity was created out of dirt. Adam started as humus, the dark organic material that forms in soil when plant and animal matter decays, and he became human, a living person. Protecting creation, guarding creation is not just what we are called to do, but it's part of who we are. It's part of what it means to be made in the image of God. And God was a gardener. And you are too. Or at least we should be. And here's the third one. The lack of creation care, the lack of protection and guarding physical creation is wreaking havoc in our world. Particularly among the the most marginalized and poor. You've probably heard this, but 2023 was the hottest year ever with an average temperature around 59 degrees Fahrenheit. But what does this have to do with discipleship to Jesus? Why should I care? Well, the heat and the strange weather over the last few years has caused a humanitarian crisis in the Horn of Africa, Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia. And the World Health Organization says that 49.3 million people in this region are food insecure. 11.1 million children under the age of five are malnourished. And another 2.7 million children will require treatment for severe acute malnutrition. And the WHO goes on to say that as a result of the famine, many people have left their homes, have left their places of belonging in search for food, water, and pasture for animals, resulting in a large displacement of people and families that lead to sickness and death. And one of the major causes of this heat and therefore famine are human activities that release large amounts of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Here's another example. There are approximately 50 million people living in situations of modern day slavery. And 27.6 million of these people are in forced labor. And you're probably familiar with human sex trafficking... But the fashion industry employs even more modern-day slaves, mainly in Southeast Asia. And this is driven by fast fashion, which is the inexpensive clothing produced rapidly by mass-market retailers in response to the latest trends. So companies like H&M and Sheen and Forever 21 and Uniqlo and Old Navy, you're like checking your tags right now. And this hit home a year ago for me when I was in Cambodia on an Amor trip. We're driving at night and our guide pointed out factory or sweatshop after sweatshop and said, Nike's made at that one, Adidas over there. And he mentioned that people have to work at night because it's too hot during the day. They'll die because there's no ventilation in there. And then I see this big box truck packed full of people, mainly women and children, pull into the factory to work for the night. Because kids don't go to the school, they work for less than $3 a day. And then we go buy our Nike shorts online for around $30. Do you know what they cost in Cambodia? Three. And do the people working see that money? No. Also, the fashion industry is the number two polluting industry in the world after the oil industry. Textiles fill dumps, microplastics from washing fill the oceans, and pollutants get into rivers and waterways. People get sick, people die. Usually, 
the most poor among us. Where we buy our clothes matters for the environment and for people. And if you want to know more about the fashion industry and this piqued your interest, I highly recommend the documentary, The True Cost. And listen, these are just two examples. More could be said and probably needs to be said. And I also know that these issues make people uncomfortable because they are highly politicized today. And we could all sit here and give arguments for what else is contributing to famine or modern-day slavery, like the war in Ukraine or Middle East or supply chain issues. And those, are all, those all have a place. And I'll just be honest, I'm not interested in the right or left argument of what is taking place. What I'm concerned about is the people dying of hunger from famine because my lifestyle and consumption play a role in it. I'm concerned about the slaves that I employ and the waste that I create because of what I wear. I'm concerned about the people who have no place to belong, no home to go to because my lack of guarding and protecting creation. My lack in cultivating a place for people to belong with God others and in creation and I want to ask you an honest question do you care do you view creation care as part of your discipleship to Jesus as a way to cultivate a place to belong with God and others and I hope, this is the main hope this morning. Because listen, I'm not saying near enough. I'm not giving you all these actions to go do. I don't even know all of them. I'm learning this too. But here is my hope this morning, is that you and I can begin to consider this as part of our discipleship. That you and I can begin to take this seriously. Because it's too easy to think, ah, famine, that's just kind of what always has happened in Africa. It has nothing to do with me. Or it's too easy to play dumb, out of sight, out of mind. If I don't see it, it doesn't really happen. Well, it actually happens to the people who are displaced from their homes and in slavery. We just don't see it, so it doesn't matter. Or it's too easy to believe that creation care matters, but it's like, you know, top 20 in important things of following Jesus. But here's the truth. The creational mandate in Genesis 1 and the call to protect and guard creation in Genesis 2 was not just for Adam and Eve. It remains binding on the church, on you and me today. And as followers of Jesus, you and I are called to cultivate a place for all people and all creatures to belong to God and others by protecting and guarding creation. Now I have more to say, but I'm going to stop because it's time to be done. We're, we're heading home. We're the, Jesus is coming again. There's, I was going to say some things about Jesus. He's pretty cool. He's coming again. He's going to redeem all things and renew all things and restore all things. And there won't be pain and brokenness and all will have an eternal place to belong. But in the meantime, you and I are tasked to work and keep, to protect and guard all creation so that all people can come to know the living God.